Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus, or in doing so, Esau despised his birthright. So today we're going to be talking about cherishing the blessings that God has put in our life. You know, if you're like me, there's just absolutely no way that we can make a bullet point list of all of the blessings of God. I do know there are times, I truly believe there are times, just intersections and in, in moments in our life where we can just say that that was a God thing. And that was just the blessing of God. But then there are those unknown, those unseen blessings that there would just be no way to calculate that or measure the things that God has done in our life. Through the years, my wife has often reminded me if we're kind of caught up in some heavy traffic or maybe we took a wrong turn, she says, you know, you just never know, but this little diversion right here could just be the hand of God that is protecting us from something that, and, and I believe there's merit to that. I really believe there's merit to that. And so, um, so those kind of blessings, we don't know what the Lord has kept us from, what he has stood in between and, and uh, those things that he has intercepted and kept them away from us. Perhaps one of the most interesting aspects of our human existence in truth individually for us is the accumulation of things that we gather over a lifetime. Those things, that's where our treasure is and where our heart is our passions are, and those things, those items tell a story of their own. It's in those things that the story of our life could really be told to a stranger, someone who had never met us. If you walk through someone's garage or their storage building, you're going to see all kind of things. That would vary from home to home, from shop to shop or garage to garage, but all of those things speak of something that was significant to that moment, something that either had great value or it just had great value to them. Many years ago, uh, one of my mother's uncles, uh, Don McGee, who, who he and his wife, Sister Helen, were part of our church for many, many years. Uncle Don passed away, and uh, they lived in Cross City. And uh, his after he had passed, his son told me that I, he said, you can, you can just go in my dad's shed and get whatever you want. Now, now, sadly, Uncle Don, my Aunt Helen had passed away prior to that, and Uncle Don had been in a facility, a rehab, and uh, 
So the little shed out behind their house, in all honesty, had been broken in so many times and pilfered through. There was really nothing of value that was in that shop. However, when I went in there, I began to look around, and despite all the things that were missing, you could still see the trace elements of a life lived. He was a machinist by trade, so the tools that were left most certainly spoke to his trade. So I gathered up a few old hand tools that remain there, and I have them to this day. And when I see them, many of them are in my barn, and they're just hanging up. I don't even want to use them because they just speak to me about a man that was in my life, and it's just about a little bit of history of our family. And so uh, when you visit a place like that, it tells the story of a man, a person, a woman, the life they lived and, and the journey that they made. And so you can see in a, in a snapshot really where they have been. More interestingly perhaps than that is if you visit a yard sale or an estate sale, you're going to meet another person in that regard. And that's the person that's handling the goods or the values or the valuables of those that have gone before them. Sometimes the seller knows the value of what they have inherited and because of that they want top dollar. But other times, despite what they know is valuable, they just want it out of their life. They don't care and it's just another day and we just need to move on to another chapter of, of their lives. They try to close that chapter. They try to just bring it to an end and so whatever it takes. Thus the saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure and how accurate those few words are. You see, in life, nothing is more valuable to us than the blessings of God, nothing. Amen, the Bible says in Psalm 68, 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with the benefits, even the God of our salvation, that God that just daily. The scripture says that as our days, so shall our strength be, Deuteronomy 33, 25. And so we do know that whatever we need for the day, God will give us strength for that day, whatever we need in the moment. But, but David seems to take that a little bit further. In Deuteronomy, the implication is, is just whatever you need today, I'll make sure you have it. But David said that God loadeth us daily with his benefits. I mean, on a regular, on a regular basis, God just blesses us beyond measure and blesses us, I think we could all amen that he blesses us beyond what we deserve. He entrusts us though with those blessings to not only realize that this is the hand of God, but we should appreciate the values and the, and the things that he places and entrusts us with. It's our responsibility. I believe it's our responsibility to, to cherish those things each and every day. And I'm not suggesting that we make a bullet point list, but if you were to do so, I don't think that would be out of order. But I just want to thank the Lord. There are some things in my daily prayer that I just want to thank him for. I want to make sure that I thank him for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful, Lord, that you filled me with your spirit. Amen. And as the list goes on and on, it kind of goes into a fog because I don't really know all the things to thank him for. Amen. But I, I do want to do this. I don't ever want to be in a position where I take for granted what God has given and what he's blessed. And I don't want to bargain those things away. One of the characters at the center of our story this morning is going to be a man by the name of Jacob. 
especially in the Bible, names have significant meaning, and names are very interesting, and, and uh, it, it's always a kind of an interesting journey to do a study of names. The names in Scripture can be complementary or the names can be somewhat insulting, but the names are given to sort of identify the character of that person. Names tend to describe something about that person. And so from the moment of his birth, Jacob began to live up to the nickname that he has, and that was heel grabber. In the womb of Rebekah, the soon-to-be-born twins, Jacob and Esau, were, were growing, and when the time of delivery came, each of those twins were positioning themselves to be born Esau, in fact, was the firstborn, and uh, he, because of that, was the man in line to receive the birthright. That birthright would contain the authority to one day lead his family upon the, upon the passing of his father. Interestingly, interestingly, though, at the moment of Esau's birth, the Bible very descriptively says that when Esau was born, that the hand of Jacob was holding the heel of his other brother, Amen, almost trying to pull him back, trying to pull him away and strip what belonged to him. Therefore, Jacob was known as the heel grabber. As time went on, Jacob certainly began to live up to his name in many, many other ways. He couldn't get over the fact that his brother was going to receive the birthright so close, but yet so far. He couldn't get over the fact that he, would, that he would not ever hold that position or that title even though he was well taken care of. He was in the same home, the same blessings, the same security, all of the things that Esau had, Jacob had, except for the birthright. It's amazing that no matter how much people in the day and age in which we live, no matter how much people are blessed of God, there are still those that look across the aisle and covet what somebody else has. But I would just have to tell all of us this morning that God has been so good to us. He's been so good to me, but I think I can testify on your behalf. God's been good to you. God's been good to you. Amen. Amen. I may not have what everybody else has. I may not have what somebody else has, but instead of, you know, I don't want to be that person that instead of appreciating what we do have, Amen. They are constantly desiring to have more. I heard someone say once before, uh, perhaps uh, like many things, it's probably been passed down from generation to generation. Some people are not, are not worried about the dollars they have. They're worried about the dollars they don't have, even though they probably couldn't spend the dollars they have. And so I don't want to let the spirit of envy and that kind of thing rise up in my heart. I just want to say, Lord, you've been so good to me. I I may never sit in this certain seat, but Lord, look where I am sitting. Look what you have done. I, I may not ever live in this certain house, but look at the house that I'm living in, or the, the car that I am driving, the clothes that you've blessed us to have. God has been so good. Amen. And it was for this case, that was the case of Jacob. He, he had so many wonderful things, but he coveted the birthright of his brother. Add to that that Esau didn't realize the true value of his birthright and now we've got, a, we've got all the trimmings for a disaster. The choices that he made in life, it put him in a position for allowing other things to become more valuable to him than the thing that should have meant more than anything. In fact, Genesis 25 and 34 says this, that Jacob despised his birthright. 
that word despise means that he disesteemed it. In other words, he made it of less value than other things in his life. It would be a shame. It would be a shame to know that we sold something of great value or lost something of great value while we were trying to hold on to something that had much less value. One day while Esau was out hunting, many of you know the story, but I'll cover it this morning. Jacob was at home, and when Esau returned, he was weary, exhausted, and hungry. And at that moment, it was the perfect storm. Jacob seized the moment. He stepped into that situation, and he quickly responded to the natural hunger that was in the life of Esau. But he said, but before you eat, before I give you any of this pottage, I want you to sell me your birthright. I want you to trade me your birthright. But to Esau, the birthright somewhere, I don't think the decision, I'm just gonna be honest with you this morning, I don't think the decision of the birthright was made right there. Somewhere, the birthright, the idea of the birthright had lost its value in the heart of Esau before this moment. And so I don't think it was traded right there. It may have been exchanged right there, but somewhere it was traded in his mind and his heart long before that moment. And that's why he could so quickly respond. He's, you know, his, his idea is I'm dying anyway. It's not gonna matter anyway. Well, I want, you don't know you're gonna die. You don't know this is it, Esau. You, you're not the one that holds the keys to life and death. You're not the one that's going to make this decision. But nevertheless, in that moment, a bargain was struck and it was a bargain that would alter the course of these two men's lives forever. That exchange, I believe, alone teaches us a great deal about the character of both of these men at the center of our story. It's critical, I think, that we appreciate the birthright that we were given when we were born again. Amen. That moment that a person receives a baptism of the Holy Ghost, the most valuable possession we will ever have is living inside of us. That we ourselves are the temple of God. There's just certain things that we would never want to take place inside this building. Because we've dedicated this building to the Lord. It's what we do in here. It's a, it, it is a sanctified house in our mind and in our heart. All the material that make up this building can be found in any other building perhaps. But that's not what it's about. It's not what it's made of. It's what it's made for. It's not who it was designed by. It's who it was designed for. And so we take great care and caution. We love and appreciate this house. And we should feel no less about this house. The spirit of the Lord dwelling in us. The most valuable possession that we have is inside of us. And so along with his spirit came the birthright to all the privileges of being a child of God, including, not the least of which, is, he hope, is his hope of eternal glory, hope of eternity in our heart. I'm glad this world is not my home. I'm glad to know, amen, that if, if, if this were the last day on earth, this is not our last day, amen. Proverbs 23 and 23 instructs us to buy the truth and sell it not. There ought to be just some things that are not for sale. You ever met some people and it's been said about them that at the right price, anything's for sale? I don't want to be in that line. I don't want to be in that category. Buy the truth and sell it not. There's some things that are not for sale. There's not a job. There's not a possession. There's not a thing. There's not a relationship that's worth trading our spiritual birthright. 
Amen. Now, while we can't take away Esau's responsibility of his own decisions, I do believe that we have to keep in mind the setting in which Esau was raised, the setting in which both Jacob and Esau was raised. Um, I, we call them dysfunctional families today, but I believe we can see this same measure of dysfunction right here in this home. Amen. So before we just try to pin all of this on Jacob or we pin all of this on Esau, we've got to remember that they had some influencers in their life from birth. The influence and the teaching in, in their home would have had to have greatly affected their upbringing. The word of God is filled with principles about raising our children and, and, and about maintaining a godly home and with the number of dysfunctional families that are in our uh, dysfunctional homes, maybe I should say, in our world, the need for families to be raised in a spiritual environment has never, ever been greater. That there would be a level of, of, of normalcy. Amen. There needs to be function in our home, not dysfunction. I believe the greater foundation that parents can prepare in the home will help it will help. Every person has their free is a free moral agent, has their own will. But I want to I want today to challenge us to make sure that our homes, not only for our children but grandchildren or anybody that may walk in, that there is a spirit of peace and a spirit of hope. Amen. We want to we want to value the things of God. I want to value the things of God because I want people around me not only to recognize that I value the things of God, but I want them to realize that they bear a responsibility to value those things as well. But if you don't take care of something, there's no need to think that somebody around you is going to take care of something. I remember several years ago, um, we were having some some work done to some property uh, next to us, and and someone was out there running a piece of equipment and they were just, I mean, they were just tearing it up left and right. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. If the owner of this business drives up and sees how this employee is treating this piece of machinery, which would, would probably have been a quarter of a million dollar piece of machinery. And, and I mean, they were just giving it everything it had and just rough housing. And I was just amazed. I couldn't imagine it. And I just kept thinking over and over and over in my mind. The owner, he would, you know, kind of come in and out uh, during the day. And I thought, oh, if he drives up, this guy, is he's just had it. And so I just I was just standing out there hoping that somehow my presence would, would let them know that, man, you don't need to be doing this. When all of a sudden the machine pulled over to the side, the man jumped out. It had real dark tinted windows, so I couldn't see who it was. It was the owner. <laughs> I thought... Oh my, oh, my word. And all of these people that work for you are watching you do all this, sir, when you drive off. If you think nothing more of your equipment, if you think nothing more of that, you just sent a strong signal to them that, that there's no limit, there's no line, you can just do whatever you want to do. Pardon my little analogy there, but I want to treasure something. And if I treasure it, I'm sending a message to those around me. If I think this is important, I want you to think this is important. And so if I don't take care of it, then I'm foolish to think somebody around me is going to take care of it. Amen. When I get through with my tools at the end of the day and, and I just throw them out in the yard, well, I just gave everybody around me permission to throw them out in the yard. 
But if I take time to put them back where they belong so that I know, if I take the time to put them back exactly where they belong, then I will know where they are when I need them next. <laughs> just, I feel so much better now. I just almost feel like we could dismiss. <laughs> Brother Kevin and I were talking about this very same thing the other day. One of his boys, he's been missing something, and one of his boys is at his house. He come rolling out with. It. He goes, "Hey, that's my, that's mine. That's mine." And so here we are. We 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 need to take care of things so that we teach another generation to take care. That's the goal anyway, Brother Kevin and I are reaching for. Amen. But when, when you see in this dysfunction of Jacob and Esau, when you see the dysfunction of their home and family, when you see the bias, the true, real living bias that was in this home, it's it's amazing. If parents are biasing their love for one child over over another, what's going to happen is you're going to create another Jacob and Esau. That's where you're headed. It's very clear in Scripture that Isaac loved Esau while Rebekah loved Jacob, and there was, there was an imbalanced love in their home. Isaac loved Esau because he was an outdoorsman and he was a hunter and more inclined to those earthly pursuits. And on the other hand, Jacob was given to a more of an intellectual and spiritual bent in his life and, and that caused Rebecca to love him more. And so that, that, that push-pull, that tug and, 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 and the pulling in their relationship, in their home, such an upbringing makes us have to question. It makes us have to wonder if Isaac and Rebekah did not somehow contribute to the end result. How did they speak to one, of the, one another in, those, in, the, in their home? How did they treat one of the, each of those children in their home? And so when the day came for the father Isaac's death, he was about to bestow the blessing of the firstborn. Isaac Ask of Esau, his firstborn. He said, "I want you to kill me some fresh game and and, and prepare it for me." And 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 this just seems diabolical that his wife overheard that conversation, and she runs to her innocent, somewhat child with a plan, a scheme. Says, "Here's what we can do. This is the moment we've all been waiting for." So she quickly runs and fixes the meat for her husband, wraps the arms of Jacob in the skins of goat, in his forearms, his hands. It was all an effort to deceive her husband and these children's father. Amen. We're gonna make we're gonna make him, we're gonna make Isaac think that Jacob is Esau. That's what we're gonna do. And so mere moments after Jacob left his father, having received the birthright, they pulled this off. Isaac come in with the fresh venison prepared. The Bible says Esau rather came in with fresh venison prepared for his father Isaac. And the Bible says that Isaac trembled when he heard the voice of Esau. And he realized, I've been, I have been hoodwinked by my own wife. How much dysfunction in this home. Isaac then spoke these words to Esau that he doesn't, 
he didn't want to say, and certainly Esau didn't want to hear them, but he said, I've already given the, the birthright. I've already given the blessing to Jacob. Now, can you imagine how Esau felt at this moment? It was the power of words and the power of the culture of that day that I can't retract this. I can't take this back. You read Psalms 89 about how the Lord said of David some things there, I, I believe about verse 19 down to about verse 37. And he said, what I have spoken, in other words, I have spoken and I've not going to take that back and here's the the principle that that we see in scripture can you imagine how Esau felt he knew that the blessing had been stripped from him forever and a day it was bad enough it was bad enough that that Jacob had bargained to get the birthright in exchange for a bowl of stew but now to steal the blessing of the firstborn amen it's just unthinkable and in the mind of Esau it was unforgivable the greatest treasure in life for you and I are not the jobs that we work because one day we'll no longer work there. It's not the car we drive because one day it will wear out or the home that we live in because one day it will have served its time and its purpose in all of our lives. The greatest blessings of God are the greatest things in life rather are the blessings of God. Those things that he bestows upon us. The prayer, the prayer of Jabez that begins by saying bless me, bless me. Amen. Lord, I thank you for the past blessings and I thank you for the present blessings, but I also want to thank you for the future blessings, the blessings of God. That is the treasure that, that God bestows upon us. Then I think that those wonderful things that God brings in our lives requires of us a great measure of stewardship to not only protect but to preserve the blessings that God imparts to us that we would never take for granted all that God has done and all that he is doing and all that he will do. Once he realized what happened, Esau was filled with sorrow and the Bible says in Genesis 27, 34 that he went out uh, and he cried out with a great and exceeding bitter cry. Now it's sad to think about losing something of great value, but he didn't just lose it, it was taken from him. It was stolen from someone by someone that should have been helping him protect and preserve. When you read in scripture, we, then, we can see that Esau was not really left without a blessing altogether, but, but he was given a blessing that was far less significant than that that he had received. I believe that we, each and every one, bear the responsibility of cherishing and appreciating the things that God has given us. Being born again, one of the greatest experiences that you and I will ever have this side of heaven. And to realize that the God of glory has forgiven us of our sins and that in the pool of baptism, in obedience to his scripture in Acts chapter two and verse 38, that our sins have been remitted, washed away, not pushed back, but forgiven, amen. And to know that the very presence of God is now living in us, abiding in us. So just how much should we treasure and cherish what God has done in our lives. You see, what Esau failed to realize is what we must never forget, and that, that, that is, is that once some things are lost, and please hear me today, once some things are lost, they can never be regained. You will only be pure once. You can never regain purity. Amen, that's not to say that we can't be forgiven for the sins that we might commit, but once that person has been restored, but, but there are some things that if God gives them to us and we bargain them away, that God is really not obligated to restore that back to our lives. 
Now, I'm not preaching against restoration and I'm not speaking against Joel chapter two about giving back the years that the canker worm has destroyed and things of that nature, but, but perhaps the greatest example of what I'm talking about here is this, and that is the story of the prodigal son. The Bible says that he took his inheritance and he went out and wasted his inheritance. And then he came to himself and then he was restored back into his father's house and he was able in his father's house to enjoy the day-to-day blessings. He was able to enjoy all the wonderful things that went on inside the father's house. When everybody else was called to the dinner table, he got an invitation to come to the dinner table. He was blessed to live in that atmosphere. However, that that he wasted when he first left home, you can never find in scripture where that was given back to him again. Because it is the law of the harvest. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That doesn't mean that we can't be saved. It doesn't mean that we can't be restored. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy the blessings of God, but there's just some things that you spend and it is forever spent. That's, how we, that's why we have got to be very, very careful when we're spending. Spending things that can't be regained. Amen. Like Esau, again, I want to underline because I don't want somebody to ever walk away and think that we're not preaching restoration. Like Esau, there can be other blessings, but, but we, may not, we may be spending some things that we can't get back. That's why we've got to be sober. We've got to be diligent. I've got to be mindful. I don't want to close a door that I can't open again. I want to understand the principle of Naboth when he looked at his vineyard and the king was trying to buy his vineyard, it's not for sale. There's just some things that are not for sale. It doesn't matter. You can keep up in the, it doesn't matter. It's not for sale. You're missing the point, sir. It's not for sale at the right price. It's just not for sale. It's not for sale, period. Every day, I believe that God places blessings in our lives, makes deposits in our lives. He does that because he loves us and desires nothing but good for us. And so I want to share with you a powerful promise from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm gonna read verses one and two. The Bible says, and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments that I, which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth and the blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Read Deuteronomy. Read Deuteronomy 28. What powerful promises are in, uh, I believe, some 14 verses there. But you know what? When you get to the end of the promises of God, you begin to immediately, right here in this same chapter, Read about the curses of God, that if we don't do this, this is what God will take away from us. This is what God can do to us. So I wanna, I wanna hearken diligently to the word of God. I wanna live in the zone where God can and will continue to bless my life. I, wanna take, I don't wanna take for granted what God has done. I don't wanna wait till the well runs dry before I miss the water. I wanna thank God for it while it's still running, while it's still flowing. The Bible says in Psalm 68, 19, I mentioned it a moment ago, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with his benefits, and I'm thankful for that, and I don't want them to ever be tarnished in my mind. I don't want to allow the attitude of Esau to take root in my spirit because the things of this world should never be more valuable to us than the things of the Lord. 
Because at the end, when life is all said and done, it's just one thing that's going to matter. Just one thing. Amen. So that's why we're instructed by the truth and sell it not. In truth, every blessing from God should be just that valuable to us. Because it won't take but just a little bit of carelessness to lose things of great value. Perhaps thinking about tangible things, all of us have lost something of value. And isn't it amazing how easy it was to lose it? My wife and I have certain routines that we follow when we're checking out of a hotel. Check and check again. And if there is just a question in either one of our minds, one of us go back in and check again. And despite as diligently as we have always tried to be about those things, we've still blessed hotels with some of our valuable things. And it's amazing. Even being diligent, you can lose something that's valuable to us. It doesn't really matter what the item is, but maybe a year or so ago, I left something in a hotel and I called and asked them if they would return it and they said, absolutely. And so I, the person I was talking to, the employee, went above and beyond and said, I will personally take this to the UPS store. And He said, I'll, I'll call you tomorrow from the store and let you know. And for whatever reason, it was going to cost more to ship it home than I paid for it. But I really wanted it. But it wasn't worth it. And it was quite a conundrum. <laughs> and I just said, keep it. Just keep it. I was aggravated at myself because it meant a lot to me. Your interest is just peaked to the edge, isn't it? I just can't bring myself to share that part. It was my favorite coffee cup. Not just a coffee cup, it was my favorite coffee cup. And I bought another one just like it and the coffee don't taste the same. I wish I would have gone in the hole and just got it back. Buy the truth and sell it not. I'm going to ask you to stand. Many years ago, a story was told concerning a nuclear submarine. It had been moored in the San Francisco Naval Shipyard. And while, and while sitting there in what should have been the safest place on earth, especially for a nuclear submarine to be moored at the San Francisco Naval Shipyard, it suddenly sank to the bottom. A U.S. House Armed Services Committee reported that, in their words, inexcusable carelessness led to the sudden sinking of the submarine. In truth, two different construction crews were working, attempting to trim the submarine for some tests. While one crew was pumping water into the stern, another construction crew was pumping water into the ballast tanks in the bow because they were trying to trim out and level the submarine. While the bow crew was off to lunch, 
the stern crew let the water out of the stern tanks. And in the end, the bow-heavy submarine now sank right alongside the pier. The estimated cost to repair this mistake was reported to Congress to be $25 million, which was half the original cost of the $50 million vessel to begin with, all because someone said, it'll be all right. Let's go to lunch. All is well. Just a little bit of carelessness. I'm not suggesting those men were not diligent in their jobs or their responsibilities. They knew they were working on a $50 million project, a $50 million vessel. My point is this. No matter how much we know, if we are not diligent to check and double-check and double-check, we could allow something of great value to sink in a place where it ought to be treasured and safe. Amen. We can lose out with God. It, don't happen to happen, it doesn't have to happen in a bar room. It can happen in a church house. Amen. So let's be diligent. Lord, I love you today. Thank you for the privilege to be here. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.